Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Sucking pussy for a living has been stuck in my head this whole week. I can't yeah. get it out. It's Are you so working funny. to live or living to work? Who's to say? <laughs> Do what you love. You never work a day in your life. Right. right. I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out. Diking out. Diking out. Diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast in search of a queer sugar mama. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with Emma Seligman about her movie Shiva Baby. If you haven't seen the movie, that's okay. You'll still want to hear this chat because we're talking all about bisexual representation in film and sugaring. Yes, we are. Couple of announcements. One, just in case anybody fits the bill, a casting director reached out to us, and I guess there's some type of big project happening with some big platform for Pride and Chloe Grace Moritz is involved and if you are in the city of Nashville I guess we got their attention because our episode last week was Gay Nashville if you're in Nashville and you want to come out to somebody who's close to you family, friend, loved one and you're between the ages of 18 and 24 and you live in Nashville, Knoxville or Memphis you can email myqueerself at gmail.com for more info If that's something you would want to do, I guess, publicly, I don't know. I hope someone does. Yeah, it'd be really cool. And let us know if you do. Yeah, let us know if if you get picked for this. It'd be really fun to have a U-Hauler be part of this. Also, some people felt misled by last week's episode because we called it Gay Nashville, but we were talking more about country music and not the city. And I'm sure there'll be more opportunities for us to talk about Nashville and how gay it is as a city. I'd rather report on that firsthand after going there. Yeah, I've never been. It's on the list. Yeah, we'll go and we'll talk about the city of Nashville. I just wanted to call it that because it's like Hollywood. It's like, you know, when the city is associated with the industry. Exactly, exactly. Well, today's episode, it is a little bit on the shorter side because as you'll soon learn, Emma Seligman is very much in demand. She was doing a lot of press stuff around the movie when we spoke with her. So it's a shorter interview and we are moving our banter, our chit chat over onto Patreon. So what did we talk about on this week's Patreon episode? Well, if you want to hear us talk about Lena Dunham's inclusive, but not really quote unquote inclusive clothing line. If you want us to talk about simple favor gossip, even though that movie came out years ago, but it's kind of queer gossip. If you want to talk about my conspiracy about Twitter, the Arkansas trans law, the North Carolina proposed laws, we get into that. And then we also talk about the infamous queer haircut article on extramagazine.com. So you can head over to patreon.com slash diking out. That's where the casual chats will live. That's where yes. when you want us to talk about something, that's generally, I think, where it will live moving forward. We get a lot of requests to cover certain dyke 
piece of culture. Yeah. And we can't fit it all in the pod anymore. So Yeah, we can't. See you on Patreon. See you there. One last shout out before I ask you a very important question, Melanie, mm-hmm. is that we were both the recipients of a glass dildo. And it's one from a Chicago store called Early to Bed. You can go to earlytobed.com. And that, I believe, is with the number two. And we got it because on our episode about the lesbian aesthetic, we were talking about Melissa Etheridge's glass dildo line, reportedly. I Googled it, and I couldn't find any information about it. But our guest brought it up. And we were kind of joking, and we're like, oh, wonder why that failed. But glass is actually a popular material that's used for dildos. I've just never used one. And now I'm going to. I haven't used it yet. I just picked up the package today. But I'm interested. I want to use it. You know, Carolyn, I used it, though I'm not sure I used it how it was intended. I was not expecting to get a sex toy that would be marketed, at least, as an anal sex toy. But upon further inspection, I learned it can be used for both. So I have not used it anally yet, but it's designed to hit your K spot and your G spot. And guess what? What? It hit my G spot. Hey! Hey! We're done shit-talking glass dildos! Yeah, congratulations. Wow. Yeah, I am also a little bit more uh, reserved in the backdoor area, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll get some CBD lube going. And yeah. Oh, the... my God. We are equipped. Well, thank you for sending that to us. And just know that it's going to have a lot of great memories attached to it. What a treasure. They're also beautiful. Yes. Aesthetically pleasing. It's like a piece of art. I feel like I should have it out. After all the purple, you know? Right, right. It's nice to have a glass dildo. Yeah, it is. I feel bad putting it in a drawer. I just want it on display. I feel like I should have a little stand for it. Like it's like a special wand. I don't know. Or a paperweight. Early to bed Chicago, if you're in Chicago, or go to the website. I mean, looking at it now, and they've got just a lot of resources, too. And a whole gender gear section of the website. Check it out. Seems very queer. Well, Melanie, if sticking a glass dildo. I know, right? Up your twat to tickle your jeans. Wasn't it? Wasn't the gayest thing? (laughs) My twat. Our UK listener on stereo's been rubbing off on you, huh? (laughs) Cheeky, cheeky. That bird loves to say twat. So what's the gayest thing I did this week? Oh, my God. I went to the park with Allie. We went for a lovely walk a few days ago, right? So we're walking in the park. We weren't even holding hands or anything. We didn't look gay. I think we look like two gal pals. And we're walking on this path in Prospect Park where it's not too populated. We purposely sought out this more secluded path. But Mm -hmm. it's small. And so when someone's walking towards you, it's like you have no choice but to interact with them. And so we kind of pull over when we see someone coming towards us, especially if they're not wearing a mask, just to kind of let them pass before we get back on the path. So we pull over and then we realize, oh, this is a crazy person. (laughs) Like, yeah, yes, maskless, but also screaming at the top of his lungs, death threats, anyone he could see. Sounds like New York. Yep. So he's screaming his death threats and we're like, we just have to pass him. Like we stopped for a while, but then he stopped when he saw us stop, right? The only Mm. other person in the area is this guy playing guitar sitting on the lake on like a tree stump. So he either 
wanted to enjoy the music or wanted to terrorize us. I think terrorize us because he could, I think, maybe see it on Allie's face. Like oh, a little boy. nervousness. So... We're like, all right, we're just going to have to walk past him. Let's get back on the path. We walk past him and we're talking. We continue our conversation. I don't know what we're talking about, but he screams at us and goes, don't be talking about your boyfriends. Don't be talking about your boyfriends. That's why it'll never last with your boyfriends because you don't stop talking shit. <laughs> and we don't respond to him with words, right? This is as, as we're walking past him. He's screaming, don't you dare talk about your boyfriends because obviously two girls talking it's got to be about the boyfriends. Got to be, yeah. Always failing the Bechdel test in life. So <laughs> all I do is put my arm around Allie and kind of pull her in. And it's like the small of her back kind of like butt area. I like kind of touch her butt and pull her in as we're walking. And he flips out and he's like, oh, so you're sucking pussy for a living. You're sucking pussy for a living. <laughs> Fucking pussy suckers. <laughs> You have to laugh for a living. For a living, I wish you know? I made a living. I know, right? Puss. I was like, you know, it's more do what you love. You never work a day in your life, right? right? And earlier, we'd heard him screaming about how he served the country as we were walking up. So I didn't know what to say. We just turned back and kind of waved, like, "Thank you for your service," and kept it moving. But sucking pussy for a living has been stuck in my head this whole week. I can't yeah. get it out. Are so you working funny. to live or living to work? Who's to say? <laughs> hey, I'm working five to nine on the pussy sucking. Yes. You know, that Dolly Parton song, that tribute to capitalism she put on for what? Squarespace? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I see my pussy sucking. I just learned about that. So I think that takes the cake. Carolyn, what's the gayest thing you did this week or had done to you? Well, you know what? Related to Dolly Parton's Five to Nine, I watched the movie Nine to Five because I was a guest on the podcast. Oh. Let us hang out for their Should Have Been Gay series. I hope I'm allowed to tease that out, that we did Nine to Five. It's going to be out in May. But I love that seamless transition. Yes, you didn't even know. Watching the movie 9 to 5 and looking for all the queer subtext and taking copious notes. And while we were recording, I went off about my feelings and thoughts and alleged speculation about one Ms. Dolly Parton mm -hmm. and... <laughs> The one host's power kept going out, and I think the gay mafia was at play because I mentioned. Uh oh. Yeah. You know, on last week's episode, I did ask Brooke Eden is Dolly Parton the head of the gay mafia in Nashville? Wink once for yes, blink twice for no. And she just laughed and said, I'm not even going there. Right. She didn't blink twice, but she threw her hands up. In a, not my place to say kind of way. This is all me putting this, infusing this into her. Actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not attaching Brooke to any of this speculation. This is purely me and the other queer Dolly Parton fans that I've talked to. And I don't know, just a little bit of like slightly insider information. Like people who lived there. And have, like, lived in Nashville all their lives. They seem to act like it's just, like, a known thing, you know? 
I love it. So that was definitely the gayest thing that I did this week. Of course, there were a lot of gay things. The gayest thing I do have to mention that Cecilia did happened today, and that's why I want to bring it up. We did have to drive into the city for something, and I've been back to the city for work stuff. Cecilia hasn't yet. So I drove in with her, and it was her first time in Manhattan since we have moved out of the city. And of course, because she's obsessed now, we were listening to Brandy Carlisle in the car, and it was like this emotional song. We're coming in. We get out of the Lincoln Tunnel, and Cecilia says, I think I might cry. And I said, I think you can take the bus home. Uh, <laughs> we're not doing this. We're not. This is it's way too early for tears. And I turn and she just has tears streaming down her face. And she's like, it's not a sad cry. I'm just so happy. The city has been so good to us. I'm like, yes, yes, it has. But we don't have to. But it's fine. You mean it's I, too early to cry in that like you haven't even lived outside of New York for that long out of the city. Oh, no. I meant it was 8 a.m. Okay, and it's too early in the day. Yeah, I hadn't finished my coffee. Gotcha. And, you know, we were kind of on a mission. It was time sensitive. I needed to get back before therapy. And I have to save my emotional intelligence for my therapy session. I can't, you know, be unpacking why my wife is crying listening to Brandy Carlisle as we drive through the worst part of Manhattan, as yeah. we're driving through Times Square and by Penn Station. <laughs> Just crying at the M&M store. Yeah. Yeah. So So gay. So dramatic. So dramatic. Though, I, you know, it's with the pandemic and everything, a lot of things have moved her to tears. Like when she got her hamster, she cried in the car afterwards. She had a video chat with like her entire team from work. And I guess that was the first time they'd done that in a while. And then she cried seeing everybody just, you know. There are a lot of reasons to cry. I'm not judging. I love her. Just sometimes it feels like a little bit of a gay cry. Yeah. And with Brandy Carlisle well, on in the background. Yeah. That's it was gay. That's Allie style. Well, we're gonna get into our interview in just a second, but Melody, after talking to Emma and after watching Shiva Baby, I think we should give a little bit of yeah. an overview of the movie quickly because we don't talk about it in too much detail, but it is... You had such limited time, so right, right. we dove right in. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. There's so much buzz around it, and I understand why now. It's a comedy. Shiva Baby originally was... Emma Seligman's thesis film at NYU. It did well on the festival circuit. It got funding. It's now a feature film. It stars Rachel Sennett. She plays a sort of aimless Jewish girl. About to graduate. So the... IMDb synopsis is at a Jewish funeral service with her parents. A college student runs into her sugar daddy and hilarity ensues. No, it's hilarity, awkwardness, tension, tension. sexy stuff, family dynamics that are uncomfortable, a literal baby. There's a lot going on in the movie, but I absolutely loved it. It was one of those movies where as soon as I was finished, I just wanted to talk to somebody about it. Luckily, I got to talk to the director about it. And I literally did. I mean, I watched it and then hopped on the Zoom. 
You're right, <laughs> so, right. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. And the one thing that I didn't know much about going into it is this world of sugaring. I guess I know what sugaring is, but I've never really thought that much about it you know like people make comments about like oh yeah he's a sugar daddy I know that there were apps for it but I never Mm -hmm. thought about like what does this look like and I was floored to learn that it's like a very common thing for college students now because of these apps so we'll get into that in the conversation I don't want to ruin it now I do want to say that it kind of makes me a little bit sad because I think when I was in college, I would have loved to have been sugaring. You? For for women? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Why didn't I even make that? Oh, no, no, no. But you're Not a lesbian. Um. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have had like an older woman that I just went to like nice dinners with and traveled with and yeah. got presents from. I feel like your what? sugar mama would be like a Holland Taylor type. Otherwise, I feel like I see you more as the sugar mama. Like the... <laughs> like I don't I don't really see you as a sugar baby. Right, right. It's the top energy. So, but but I could fake it. I could be whatever they wanted me to be and I missed out on that because, you know, we didn't have smartphones and and apps for that back then. I was just There do you, there's a sugaring story in the news right now about a girl who's like an Instagram model, OnlyFans model, sugaring. She's like 25 years old or something. Yeah. Met on a sugaring app, a guy who's worked in the Obama administration, some just mogul out in L.A., 60 years old, found out she was sugaring because he was planning on proposing to her and got upset because she had blown him off to meet up with her friends the night he was going to propose to her, allegedly found out she was sugaring and doing this with other people and not trying to end up with him for life and is now suing her for everything. He got her a apartment. He prepaid the rent for a year. He gave her $85,000 to decorate. He wants all that back. He wants just even like the pettiest of expenses back to him. Sue for that. Yeah, you can't sue for hurt feelings. And that's the only way rich white people know how to fight back or let yeah, someone know they're hurt. Yeah, to make her life miserable. Yeah. Ugh. And now she's counter suing and she has a restraining order on him. So it's like just a crazy world. What a mess. No, I feel like my sugaring arrangement would be, you know, there'd be a lot of clear communication and we would know exactly what the expectations are and what the boundaries are, I think, between two queer women. My chances for that, they're over, uh, unless Rosie O'Donnell's interested. I think Cecilia could make an exception and be like, I know okay, she would. I know if she you want to if you want a sugar for Rosie, that's the one. It's my hall pass. <laughs> and also my chances for sugaring with Rosie specifically are getting slimmer and slimmer because where I moved to was just half an hour away from one of her homes and just got the news in our Patreon group that she put that house up for sale and sold it. Or it's been up for sale for a while and she finally sold it. Oh, I it. missed that. Yeah. So I get all my gay news from this Facebook group. I, I know. Love it. My master plan was not to have like a sugar mama relationship with Rosie, but I do dream of being crafting buddies. And then I thought if we lived uh, half an hour away, that was very feasible. And now my hopes are dashed, but maybe she's moving closer to me. Who knows? Okay. 
Today we are diking out with filmmaker Emma Seligman about Shiva Baby. She wrote it. She directed it. It's starring Rachel Sennett, Molly Gordon, and Diana Agron for all you Gleeks listening. Let's get into it. Emma, thank you so much for being here and diking out with us today. Happy to have you. We're going to start off by asking you, what's the gayest thing you did this week? I feel like my relationship with Rachel, our star, is pretty gay. And we, <laughs> I don't know if this is gay. We just spent like the last like 72 hours with each other flying on a red eye. Is the red eye gay? Flying on a red eye <laughs> to New York. And then staying in a hotel together. And then painting many, many pictures, half clothes, drunk, flying back here on a very chaotic flight to LA and just loving up on each other. It's been like four years in the making for the two of us. So I feel like this past four days of just us being like, I love you. No, I love you. <laughs> like crying hysterically, sort of just switching off, you know, in, in terms of that process. So yeah, we'll count it. That's pretty gay. I mean, you've been doing press all week and I was like, I don't know if she had any, any time. I don't know if I did. I had I had two wonderful gay. No, I had one gay. <laughs> I'm like, everyone's gay. I had one gay <laughs> person yesterday, Clayton Hawkins, and he told me I was the Jewish Jane Austen. So I, think wow. I'm gonna, I love it. I'm going to call that gay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> love it. How did you and Rachel meet? I had seen her in a couple other thesis films when I was in college, and I thought she looked really like relatable and awkward and Jewish. And I watched a couple of her sketches that she wrote and acted in and just thought she was so funny and clearly like ambitious and had her own voice and style. So I asked her to audition and like, <laughs> which is funny saying, and now it was in like a dorm room. It was a dorm halls, like basement. Right. Right. We like had rented it out. We were like, welcome. You know? <laughs> but yeah, that's how I met her for the first time there. Oh, yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Had either of you attended the Gallatin School at NYU. Uh, there are some jokes about designing <laughs> your own major. And I'm assuming you went to Tisch, but... I did go to Tisch, but there was a lot of Gallatin Tisch, you know, students who crossed over. And my best friend was in Gallatin. But what's funny about Gallatin, which I learned later after making Shiva, is that students from there do so much better than any other program <laughs> because they know exactly what they want to do because they've yeah. had the ability to specialize. So here I am making fun of this girl who like, is trying to make up her major and can't figure it out. Right. But actually, kids there are very centered and focused when they leave. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Well, like everyone else, we love the movie. It was Thank you. so funny and so good. And I just recommend it to everybody. There were some great themes in it that we don't see represented a lot in film or TV and represented in a real way. Two of the ones that we're most interested in are sugaring and bisexuality. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, what do you think is lacking in terms of bisexual representation in film? Because this felt like some of the most real representation that the community has had. Well, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. I think that what we're lacking is just bisexual people telling bisexual stories. I feel like often it's sprinkled in as a sort of like fun part of a girl's life, like, and she dated a woman and like, it doesn't hurt. Like, it's always fun to see that for me. I'm like, oh, (laughs) it makes me excited to see on screen, but I'm like, well, what is that? when it's sort of sprinkled in in that way, I'm like, well, what does that mean to her? Like, I feel like I want to know more about that part of people's lives. I think when what we're lacking is just representation in general. Right. Like, (laughs) 
we're not, it's not a specific way. Yeah. It feels like it's always in these like autobiographical movies and then they like shoehorn it into the movie because it's like a hot thing to put in there. Yes, exactly. But yeah, you're right. Without the perspective really of like that person and they're not really telling their own story. It's like somebody else who's telling it. And then they just throw in this like little bisexual chapter. I mean, Melody, you're of the two of us, the bisexual one here. So I'm the bisexual one here. Yeah. yeah. Here I am being like, it's so real, but I'm not bisexual. It just felt real based on other things I've seen. No, it felt like very real. Aside from like Desiree Akvon's work, which is like say, the only existing and I'm obsessed with her. She literally like is the only reason that I feel like I think subconsciously like comfortable telling a bisexual story because she's just been so forthcoming about it. And I think that there's been so much more representation of bisexuality in TV Mm -hmm. because I think it's easier to then dip into a bisexual sort of story by having them date a woman or a man like for a few episodes and you get more time with characters. So I think it's a little easier. Like I think just so many more examples. I still don't think it's like, you know, there's always room for more, but like Euphoria, Shit's Creek, right, you know, right. even Atypical, Transparent, growing up, it was like Grey's Anatomy, The OC. Like, I just see it so much more in television and I just wish I saw it more in film. I feel like with women, it's like we just said, like a hot thing. And with men, it just becomes a gay story. Right. You know, it's just sort of glossed over as that they're just gay or they haven't fully come out yet. And I felt that way about calling by your name. I was like, he's bi. Everyone was talking about it like the gayest love story of all time. And it was beautiful. I mean, obviously, Army Hammer, we're not going to talk about that now. (laughs) But when it came out, I was like, no, he loved the girl. He just fell in love with Army Hammer. Like, that's what it was about. Like, it was about him experiencing love for the first time. But I thought that was a genuine relationship with the girl at the beginning. Right. Right. I don't know. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. not just bisexual representation, but like complex female relationship representation yes. is what I love so much about your film. Like we don't really know what the deal is with Maya and Danielle at the beginning. And we don't really know what the deal is with a lot of our complex female relationships as queer or just women. And I oh. loved that. Thank <laughs> so you. Much. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I was like, are they frenemies? Are they like, what's this relationship? And I love how like a little bit gets revealed along the way up until the conclusion. Yeah. You'd mentioned euphoria and that's what made me realize like I love that dynamic we play with throughout the film and it kind of made me want it to be a TV show for those reasons you just laid out <laughs> so you get like more and more totally. but yeah I do want to ask more about sugaring because in the movie the main character is somebody who is a, a sugar baby and I've read where you've talked in interviews about how that there is like this community of like sugaring at NYU and the culture of it differs depending on like what campus you're on. Like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I don't even, I don't know if I would even say like, it's like a community. It's a big population okay. of sugar babies. You know, there's a high number. I think it has the highest number in the country at NYU. Wow. I had no idea. Or at least it was in like, it was listed as that in 2016 or something. Maybe it's changed. It makes I sense don't think it's with Wall exactly, Street yeah. and whatnot. Wall yeah. Street. It being, I think it's the most expensive school in the world. Yeah. I think that's something, it's oh, not yeah. just the most expensive school in the States, but in the world. Right. So, you know, yeah, college debt and also the proximity to Wall Street. And also I think, yeah, this hookup culture sucks and sugaring, I think sort of projects this idea, whether it's false or not of like empowerment and consistency and respect and like you know, validation, promised validation, you know, that I think was attractive to my friends and I, when we were just like waiting on the guy that we would actually want to date, respond to us, to <laughs> hook up with us. So we can just sell, like, you know, give them our bodies and then have them dispose of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> to put it simply, yeah. I think it's a combination of things. And also just like, it's gotten a lot easier for us, especially when I was in college, Tinder blew up then. And I think it's just become easier for us to feel comfortable, like creating profiles and like just seeing who's out there, who we don't know. And so I think there's a lot that flows into it that makes it just a lot more accessible. I think what's different about it is that sugaring or being a sugar daddy has existed for so, so long, right. but it's different now because it's organized, you know, and it's, it's just a lot easier to do. And I think that what makes it different about, is about it is the college aspect specifically. It, I mean, seeking arrangement and, and sites like that are literally geared and promoted specifically to girls in college. So it's just become a little more capitalist, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting and so unique to this younger generation because like, I know when I was in college, I sure I know a lot of people who would have totally been down for that. And I even remember my roommate and I talking about like, is there some way we can like make money off like foot fetishes or like something? And then we're just like, yes. but how do you go about it? Cause there weren't those apps at the time, you know, the smartphones yeah. like weren't as widespread then. So yeah, now it's like such a new thing and such a big and popular thing. Yes. Are people just very, you find open about that, at least with their peers or how does that go with family? Yeah. Because the family aspect in the movie, like that's yeah. something that she's definitely 
keeping a secret. Yeah. I feel like it's like the most open secret kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's why I don't think it's a community necessarily, but I think in school, when I found out a friend or a friend of a friend was sugaring, it was like, Oh, okay. You know, there was no like, she's a sugar baby. Yeah. It was like so many people did it. It was like them being like, it was just another thing. It was like being like, Oh, she's Jewish. Right. Okay, cool. Oh, she's a sugar baby. It was just like a just sort of a fun, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I think, no, like, I think it's so funny because all the girls, I think, knew when I'm asked this question, I'm like, everyone knew, but like also everyone that wasn't a sugar baby or a girl who had friends who were sugar babies didn't know, like guys, like sort of the male community didn't really, they like knew there were sugar babies. But I remember telling the dude that I was hooking up with that I tried it or I was trying it. And he was like, totally shocked. And I was like, well, you know, this is a thing and a lot of people are doing it. So like, are you that surprised? Yeah. I definitely didn't know. I told my mom drunk though, that I tried it. And then <laughs> and I've totally blacked out and forgot that that happened. And then later <laughs> she was like, no, remember when you told me and you were like blackout? And I was like, no, don't remember that. So, <laughs> so my mom knows, but yeah, generally parents don't know for sure. When you say you tried it, like, did you just have a bad experience or you did and you're like, it's not for me? Both. Yeah. I had an account for a really long time and I sort of went back in and made an account multiple times, finishing Shiva Baby, had no money, was back on it, ready to meet people before <laughs> COVID, was back on it, ready to meet people. There's been many of those, but I had one date, you know, the first time I sort of developed my account. It wasn't particularly like horrible. I just realized I was so not cut out for it. I mm. think I thought I was like this empowered boss bitch and I think sex work in the traditional form is quite possibly the hardest job in the world. Right. Um, so much respect. So much respect. Right. And also like Oscar winning performances, probably. <laughs> I think what I realized is like, I can't, I, I actually really enjoyed acting in high school. I like thought I wanted to be an actor first before I wanted to be a director. Realized in that moment, I can't fake it that hard. I can't fake my attraction to someone all the way. And it was difficult. And when the night was over, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Sort of what, what my experience was. How queer is the sugaring world? There's a lot of couples who are looking for a third. There are some mm. sugar mamas. There's a lot of... That was going to be my other question. Where are the sugar mamas at? <laughs> they exist. They definitely exist. And the male, sh like the gay male sugaring community is oh, very... Yeah. That's a thing for sure. I yes. feel like that's the most sort of queer element. I had a few male friends who tried it or actively had one. So that definitely exists. And then I've, I've seen when I was on it, there's a lot of couples looking for a third. There were a lot of girls who had sugar daddies who were just like looking for someone to join them and also have fun with them and travel with them and, you know, whatever. I know I'm not sure about in the sugaring world specifically, but you know, there's a lot of clients who like devils, you know, who like seeing two or three girls at a time and just watching them or doing stuff with them. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, Sex work has been around for so long, but for oldest job in the books. So I think naturally it's adapted to being very queer. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I love the scene in the movie where Maya finds out that Daniela is sugaring and says something like really mean to her, but you can kind of tell that she doesn't really believe it. She's just trying to hurt her because she's hurt. And it's like those things just feel again, like so, so real. It's like, yeah, that's totally 
something like almost all queer people I know are supportive of like sex work and sex workers. But at the same time, you could totally see them being like a momentary cunt about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for saying that because I feel like there was like a couple people when I included that who saw it as sort of like a judgment of the film on her. And and exactly what you just said was my intent, that it was just because she was mad at her and wanted to use something against her to be mean, you know, but didn't actually think that about sex work. Yeah, I think that definitely came across. So... Shiva Baby was your college thesis short film. Now it's a feature film. Is there a future for this world and these characters? Are you leaving it open or are you done? (laughs) I think I'm done with these characters just because I think you always want to leave it when people are like, I want more. Right. As soon as you give them more, they're like, yeah okay. You know, <laughs> they're like, oh, I preferred not. You should tell that to the people that are producing the Game of Thrones Broadway play that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I do really want a musical of Shiva Baby. We've always said that. that yes. we think like, that would be fun. That would be good. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be great. So if anyone wants to hit us up about that, that would be great. <laughs> but no, I think I'm done with these characters for now. I would really like to explore showering more in depth, and I definitely want to see more like bisexual Jewish messy leads in movies but I think I'm done with this particular family and world yeah and Danielle's experience in the movie with her family in terms of her bisexuality was that something that you experienced yeah I feel so lucky that my parents were always accepting but they just didn't get it right you know it took my mom a bit to understand when she did she was like okay I get it my dad I feel like now we've gotten to a place where like, I can tell he's trying so hard to understand because at first I, for so long, I was just so mad. He just really didn't get it in his brain. Like he's almost 70. Like, I think he just thinks it's a choice. That's the way my mom saw it too. You know, like now I'm gay, now I'm straight, now I'm gay, now I'm straight. And then I literally sent my, after the last sort of comment she said about she was like, oh, now you're gay again. I sent her this long email explaining <laughs> what it was and linking like parents of LGBTQIA kids and like FAQ, like, right. and she sent an email back being like, I'm so embarrassed. She was like, this hurt, but in a good way, like you challenged me. And my dad, yeah, now I've gotten to a point where I can tell this whole time he's really been trying. And I was like, always like, it's not this it's that and you know my mom definitely passed it off initially as promiscuity and now yeah she totally gets it I mean ultimately they just want me to be happy but yeah my dad just they just he just doesn't he just honestly doesn't get it he's like but eventually you have to make a choice I'm like it's not a choice (laughs) he doesn't say say anything to me now I just hear it secondhand right because they went to my tip screening and people asked me about bisexuality like he can see that it's you know, they're very Canadian. So like, yeah, where in Canada are you from? I'm from Toronto. Okay. I'm from Montreal. Oh, hey. Okay. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, then like, they're very, it's always like, not my mom. My mom is sort of just chill, but my dad always was like, don't say that she's bisexual. We shouldn't like talk about it openly, you know, like my mom does when when people ask like, does Emma have a boyfriend? She's like, no, no boyfriend, no girlfriend. Whatever. My dad used to be like, stop it don't say that. And now I think that he's seen that people have responded well to Shiva. And like, he saw people ask me in person at TIFF, like about that part of it. I think he was like, well, that's cool. But like, but what does it mean? Like, but, but he didn't express that to me. I just hear it secondhand. So anyway, yeah, yeah I did experience your question simply. I did experience 
just passive, like sort of like, yeah, biphobic comments here and there. Like, I think just coming from a place of ignorance and, you know. Yeah, just talking about it and not talking about it. Just like no funny business between (laughs) you and Maya today. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of encompassing her identity as funny business. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also read where you mentioned how for a lot of women in their early 20s, that's where family and sex kind of come at a crossroads. Can you expand a little bit more on that? I thought that was interesting and something I'm only starting to explore in therapy. So yeah, I think that, well, I just think in general, every, not everyone, but so many people have like a neurotic family who's nagging on them and they also have a complicated sex life. Like, I think that's just almost every human right. or a young woman discovering or experiencing your sexuality at its highest point, you know, in terms of whether it's discovering the power and the, you know, and the exhilaration of it or discovering the limits of it and having, you know, what Danielle has is sort of, sort of reckoning with the fact that she actually needs to build her self-worth step-by-step step, as opposed to just hanging on to validation, you know, for dear life. I think at that time, for me at least, approaching graduation, the people in my life that were most significant were my family, like who were obviously, you know, or I guess not obvious, but were paying for my education. We're like trying to, you know, lovingly be involved in what I was going to do after. And then also just, yeah, like for myself being like, oh, I hate myself. Like, <laughs> I just have sort of given my body to people who didn't deserve it. And thought that I had all this power and I was empowered. And I, I think that just for young women, often there's two completely contradictory pressures put on us, which is to be like a nice girl with a stable job looking for, you know, not necessarily getting married immediately, but like looking for their future partner. You know what I mean? Like having a sort of plan and being that stable person. And then the world is also telling you like post sex in the city to be this like sexually empowered, independent young woman who like doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks about her and like wants to do her own thing and have whatever job she wants and like live in the city and whatever it is. And I think those are two completely different ideas that are put on us. And I think that when you're 21 or whatever, approaching graduation or or whatever age around that time, I think there's a crossroads. I think it's also just like, I remember going to family events at that time. All I was focusing on was like, is this guy going to text me back? Are we going to have sex tonight? You know, (laughs) interacting with my family members being like, Hey, like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm working on my short film, you know, like, like that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, I think it's like both those things are like sort of the only thing on your mind or, or at least were on my mind, you know. For sure. For sure. <laughs> well, I want to know more because I know we have to wrap up about what projects you have coming up. And I also, I did see something about a lesbian fight club. <laughs> and I also yeah. have to ask like, well, one, what more can you tell us? I'm like hearing these lesbian fight club things. I'm like, what, what's happening? And where's <laughs> my invite? Everywhere. Yeah. I, so I've never joined one. I didn't, I believe that they exist. Our idea that I've been writing with Rachel Sennett for the last four years now after we wrap the short is it's kind of like wet hot American summer vibes, but for queer teen sex comedy. And it's just girls trying to impress cheerleaders and sort of win them away from football players. So it's yes. a sort of like <laughs> shamelessly, I really wanted to see like queer girls on screen, just wanting to have sex and and find their love in high school or whatever. And Rachel just wants to see shamelessly horny girls on screen because I still feel like we've made strides, but she always jokes that the furthest we've gotten is girls being like, I discovered a vibrator. Like, it's crazy. What is this thing? And, you know, she's like, we all have five. Like, you know, one of them's big, one of them's small, one of them looks like a rabbit, whatever. Um, so 
<laughs> we our sort of two interests collided and you know created this story. So I'm excited for whenever we get to actually you know make that. Awesome. So are we. Sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. Well, what's the best way for people to watch Shiva Baby? The best way is to rent it on VOD, which you could do on Apple TV or Amazon Prime or Google Play or wherever, you know, throughout COVID, you've been renting new releases pretty much. Altavod, there's a few other, Fandango, a couple others. But if you happen to be in a city, Check out if Shiva is playing at sort of your local art house cinema. If you're in New York, it's playing at the Quad. It might be playing in LA next week, TBD at the Alamo. So just stay tuned and follow the Shiva Baby Movie Instagram if you want to see it in theaters. But otherwise, it's on Amazon, it's on Apple TV, etc. Amazing. Well, we hope everybody watches it because it's such a fun and great movie. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Emma. And yeah, congrats on everything. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was nice meeting you. You as well. Well, 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 Melody, wouldn't you know, since that interview, I did Google Emma today and it came out the news that she is developing a show set in the world of Shiva Baby called Sugar. And it's going to be on HBO and she's developing it with Adam McKay. So she lied to me. She lied to you. She lied to both of us. She lied to everybody. Unless it looks like she lied to me in Vanity Fair because she's been saying (laughs) since then that this is the end of Shiva Baby. Right, right. Guess not. Crazy. I wonder if between the interview, because she seemed like a pretty forthcoming person, and I wonder if between now and then HBO made made an offer she couldn't refuse. I feel like any offer from HBO is one you can't refuse. But. Yeah, but I also feel like those are long processes. But yeah, she lied yeah, to yeah. Us. But we're, right, we're we're, we're going to watch it. We're going to we're going to watch it. I am so excited about this because I want more of that relationship between Danielle and Maya. Yes. So I hope that that continues in this show. I know things take a while to get made. I will wait for it. This is the queer content that we deserve. This is the bisexual content I needed like 10 years ago. And I'm still waiting for and I can't wait to watch. This is the sugaring content that I needed when I was in college (laughs) and I could have been sugaring. All right. Well, it's time to get to our listener question. Let's do it. I am single and I have a one-year-old daughter, donor baby. Great name. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, donor baby, Shiva baby, all good names. Think about it. (laughs) As she is quickly growing up, I keep thinking about how I want her to grow up into a kind and inclusive person. Similar to Carolyn, I'm not a huge fan of men. I have a history of trauma related to them, starting with my father. And I don't have many men in my life now. How do you think I can foster an environment where my daughter won't hate, fear, or need men in an unhealthy way? Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wee, wow. (laughs) I did LOL pretty hard when I read, similar to Carolyn, I'm not a huge fan of men. Because that very day, I was actually thinking, I think I need to stop leaning in to the trope of being a man-hating <laughs> lesbian. Because I don't. I literally don't hate men. I hate the patriarchy. But yeah, of course. I have so many guy friends, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm just going to stop doing it. But I get, I get why people have trauma around men. I just want to clear it up. I'm not... 
I, I play it up. I play it up for the for the gags. You do. <laughs> but you're so deadpan. It doesn't sometimes it's just I like, know. well, Carolyn really hates men. It's, it's hard to tell sometimes. And I know. podcast, no visuals to I get it. I get it. I don't blame people if they think that I'm casting spells on men every night because I do it every other night. No, the trope. Uh, I understand it. I I don't something kind of cringy about lesbians who are just like, I hate men. I hate men. Just like as a blanket. Something about that has gotten hack. Do you know what I mean? And oh, I, but I, I totally also know. hate lesbians who are like, I love men. I'm one of the guys. Well, yeah, no, we don't need to go that far. No, no. Yeah. Hate the patriarchy, not the <sighs> player. player, the beneficiary. Yeah. Okay. Uh- <laughs> the patriarchy hurts men too. Sorry, listener. What was your question? Okay. Now, my thing I want to say is <laughs> there are a lot of great men out there. So I think that you just need to find those one. I mean, maybe that's too simplistic, but don't write off all men. I think that because you have trauma, you probably have an even better barometer for who the good ones are, you know, that you can kind of judge. Like, I know my wife has a lot more trauma with men than I do. And then the guys that she does like, you know, are awesome. And the ones that skeeve her out, she can tell right away. She's like, there's something off about this one. Or, you know, this guy, his energy is off. But it's like an energy thing about it. And I think that you can have casual friends. I mean, also queer men are great. And then those can be a positive role model if you want that like male energy. What do you think, Melody? I think, you know, just watch Drag Race with your kid. That's what I think. I mean, the thing about fostering an environment where your daughter doesn't hate men is to expose her to, like, positive examples and not be somebody like me who makes comments into a podcast that lives forever on the internet that are construed to be true statements and not just jokes about despising all men, and then that won't rub off on her. Because I I don't think that's healthy to be just, like, super negative about men and then to, like, blame men for everything. It's half the population, yeah. It's a huge generalization. I think definitely incorporate more, I guess, good examples of culture with men, like you said, you know, good films with admirable heroes, right? Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is that once your daughter is in school, she'll start making friends. Those friends, you know, you'll get to know the friend's parents. There'll be positive examples there. You can kind of, you know... the daughter will be fine. It's more like you need to evaluate your disposition because that's the ultimate thing that's going to impact your daughter and her ideas and opinions on men. She's only going to pick up what you put out there, right? Right. You don't want her to inherit your trauma. I think there are books around this that, and I know that that's something that Cecilia sometimes worries about is like passing on the trauma and things like that because, you know, yeah, as parents, you shape your kids and have tremendous influence on them. There's got to be communities online that deal with this. I mean, we're not parenting experts. (laughs) Yeah. Childless comedians. But I think it's all 
within you to make the change. I think if you're not in therapy, maybe consider it. We do have a sponsor. Definitely get better help with promo code DO for 20% off your first month. But honestly, I really think your daughter will be fine going out in the world. She's going to go out into a society that praises men. You know, it's really what happens in the home. And that starts with you. Right. And lastly, you mentioned that you don't have many men in your life. It doesn't take a ton. It just takes, you know, a couple of great people to really be a a positive example for somebody. So just, you know, maybe include them more if, if that feels comfortable for you. But I think what Melody said is the most important thing that you need to work on yourself and then it'll be a lot easier not to pass those fears and, and negativity to your daughter. Mm-hmm. And those fears that are completely justified and oh, warranted yeah. and negativity. We are not dismissing that at all, at all. We because have so much trauma right. off the hands of men. Yeah. I mean, Cecilia and I, we talk too about, you know, when we have kids and like their safety. And because Cecilia, you know, was abused as a child, like that's, there. there's a real fear there. And it's like, how oh. do we protect our child while also not traumatizing them? You know, and those are great things to talk about in support groups, in therapy, and to read up on. So, best of luck to you. You sound like an amazing mom that you're thinking about. Yeah, this. to even consider that when she's one. Yes, she's gonna be great. Also, why didn't this question come with a cute baby pic? I know we love. It's pictures. a pandemic. We love pictures. Feel free to send pictures with the questions. Yes, it makes our day. Hey, if you have a question. Picture or no picture, send it to dykingout at gmail.com. We want more questions. Think me about anything. You can also follow us everywhere at Diking Out on Instagram, we Twitter. Yes. We have a Facebook page, Woo-hoo. Patreon. We've talked about that at Diking Out Podcast on TikTok. We've given up on it, but. No, it- this is why our TikTok exists. It's so all of you can tag us in better gay TikToks you come across. <laughs> yes. And, and we're yes. enjoying that. Please keep yes. doing this. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thank you so much for digging out with us this week. Hey, see you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly, but don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.